Hello and welcome to the Bayside Sermon Series Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Duckworth, Media and Technical Director here at Bayside. This week, we meet with Pastor Ken Carlson and discuss 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-8, through 8, Pray for the President. Thank you for joining us in our conversation today. All right, welcome back to the podcast. This week we are in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And as we have in the past couple of weeks, we're going to start with a question from the congregation. Uh, this is about the, the quote from Baxter that you had towards the end of the sermon. And so the question starts, The Baxter quote is indeed convicting and cutting, but then there are testimonies like those of Rosario uh, Champagne-Butterfield, where she was befriended by a pastor and his family and they patiently waited for her to ask them about the gospel or attended church. When it comes to evangelizing our friends, family, and neighbors, is there a right way or a wrong way? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So, uh, just for context, I will let me read that Baxter quote one more time. All right. uh, old English pastor Richard Baxter, and this is what he said. Again, the context that I. Uh, read this quote was, um, you know, in talking about praying for uh, for your neighbors and and for the gospel to make an impact out there. In order for that to happen, there really has to be prayer going on in here. Um, and then uh, simply the the reality that hey, we have to have a passion to see our neighbors come to saving faith. So so to put it in a very um, <laughs> in a very uh, crystal clear way, this is what Richard Baxter says. He says, let your heart yearn for your ungodly neighbors. Alas, there is but a step between them and death and hell. Many hundred diseases are waiting, ready to seize on them. And if they die unregenerate, they will be lost forever. Have you hearts of rock that cannot pity men in such a case as this? Do you not care who is damned as long as you are saved? Do you live close by them or do you meet them in the streets or work with them or travel with them or sit and talk with them and say nothing to them of their souls? If their houses were on fire, you would run and help them. Will you not help them when their souls are almost at the fire of hell? So um, that's a obviously that's a uh, one of those uh, hellfire brimstone quotes. Um, And I don't I mean, you hear when you hear me preach, I won't quote things like that often. Um, occasionally, I'll, I'll, I, I may say something along those lines if the text calls for it. Um, and this, I said this also for effect, um, because he says it with such, um, with such clarity, it, it just cuts through all the garbage to help us get to the place in our minds of, hey, do, am I actually loving my neighbors, caring for my neighbors and sharing the gospel with my neighbors when they're ready to receive it? Um, so the um, the 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 way you want to balance Baxter's um, quote, uh, for example, he says, "Alas, there's a, but a step between them and death and hell." Talking about your ungodly neighbors, many hundred diseases are waiting, ready to seize on them, and if they die unregenerate, they will be lost forever. Um, you know, the reality is, um, uh, their their salvation is not up to you. Um, so if they're if they die unregenerate and they're lost forever, that's not on you. That's on them. Um, it's it's God is the one who does the saving. Um, but I think to the questions point of uh, for, with for example Rosario Butterfield, um, excellent excellent uh, story by the way. Uh, if nobody um, is familiar with uh, Rosario Butterfield, she's got a a couple books out. 
Um, one of them, um, one of them's really good details, uh, her coming to faith, the secret thoughts of an unlikely convert, her coming to faith. Um, she was a, a feminist English professor, um, met a pastor, uh, Pastor Ken, um, and his wife, uh, and, um, you know, living, she was living a, a lesbian lifestyle. Um, and after years, um, she, you know, took the journey into, uh, into the Christian faith. So what I would say is, um, I think there has to be absolute sensitivity and it has to be directed by the spirit. Um, when it comes to sharing the gospel with your neighbors, because obviously what worked for Rosario Butterfield is going to be much different than what works for, um, you know, your Catholic grandma or what works for your atheist neighbor. Um, so what I would say is ask the Lord for um, sensitivity to what he wants you to say, how he wants you to say, and even how far he wants you to go. Um, there was uh, there's an African-American man um, known as Franklin R. And uh, he's a never used to, to go to church, uh, 40-something year old. Um, and then here, so listen to what he said in in one of... Uh, Tom Rainer's book, The Unchurched Next Door, he says this. He says, 10 years ago, I claimed to be an agnostic, but just a year ago, I was ready to accept Christ. I was just waiting for someone to tell me about Jesus. The best way to reach me 10 years ago would have been much different from the way to reach me a year ago. Last year, someone invited me to go to his church. I gladly accepted the invitation, heard the gospel, and accepted Christ all within six weeks. So the idea there is he's what Franklin is saying is hey if you tried to reach me with the gospel 10 years ago like you did you know just a, a year ago um, I would not have been receptive and it may have even been uh, detrimental so he what he needed was he needed someone to love him to care for him and then um, even even as simple as an invite to church um, so uh, there, there's a perfect example of that um, you know there's it might be helpful to think of the three different kinds of evangelism. Um, there's what you could call prayer evangelism, which obviously would be very appropriate in this case, right? Praying to, uh, for God to open the hearts of an unbeliever. Um, prayer evangelism has to really be the uh, step one um, in any evangelism plan. Um, then after prayer evangelism, um, you have what could be called presence mm -hmm. evangelism. Um, that's getting to know the person and then looking for ways to show them the love of Jesus, right? So that would be um, what that Pastor Ken and his wife did with Rosario Butterfield. You know, how she, how they, um, they just got to know her. They looked for ways to show her the love of Christ. And they did that over the course of years. So um, presence evangelism is, is huge, especially in our context, um, in our setting where there is so much baggage and misunderstanding when it comes to scripture, when it comes to Jesus, and when it comes to Christianity. Um, there's so much uh, unraveling um, and undoing we have to, we as believers have to do in our prayer evangelism and presence evangelism um, in order to tear down some of those walls um, or soften some of those walls for the Lord to tear down. Um, and then there's proclamation evangelism, right? So prayer evangelism, presence evangelism, and then proclamation evangelism is, you know, then you get to the point of telling 
them the facts and the implications of the gospel of who Jesus is, of what he did. Um, and then if you've spent enough time with the person in presence evangelism, by the time you get to proclamation evangelism, it's not going to come as a shock to them. Um, so uh, so if, if it's helpful to think of it through those categories, what I would say is use discernment um, and reflect Christ. Um, so um, I think there are people who would respond, who do respond to uh, that, um, that hard push, that hard sell, um, just, you know, convict them with, with, with the gospel and show them where <laughs> the law, uh, identifies them as sinners. I think that, that definitely has a place. Um, and there's absolutely certain people who are receptive to that kind. Uh, but by and large, um, I think the situation that our culture is in, necessitates um, prayer and presence evangelism um, just as much um, um, as proclamation evangelism. Again, prayer and presence evangelism is not enough. Um, it has to at, one, at some point lead to proclamation evangelism, but the at some point is between you and the Lord. Um, you have to just be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. There's no um, black and white cut, cut dry uh, explanation or answer to that. But I appreciate that question. Um, because it helps to to understand, um, you know, the the broader scope uh, and methods of evangelism and witnessing. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our discussion points for the week. Uh, question one: What do you enjoy the most when you pray to God? Now, this is a really good icebreaker question for small groups, and I think your your response will depend on what kind of relationship you have with God and the occasion for the prayer. So here's the, the, the different points for what, what you enjoy most when you pray to God. Are you thanking Him for all that He has done, praising Him for who He is, uh, escaping from the routine of life, telling Him what's happening in my life, just being in His presence, asking Him to bless my friends, or other? And yeah, I, I think... We needed to consider how deep our relationship with God is as we're looking at these different options. For those that are new to prayer, you you have a lot of these surface needs and thanksgivings in your talk with God because you're learning, you're you're trying to understand what prayer is and how that works. But for our prayer warriors, the outside world can can disappear and they become transplanted to this plane of communication that takes a Mack truck to break their concentration. So when you approach this question, it's going to depend on what what is the purpose, you know, more than just in your mealtime prayers. This is thinking more in your quiet time prayers. What is your point of your praying? Uh, question two, read aloud uh, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 8, taking note of how many times the word all is used throughout the passage and mainly for whom is Paul asking that prayers of salvation be made. Do you want to read that real quick? Yeah, I'll read 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. Uh, Paul writing to his protege Timothy says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing 
in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Thank you. So a couple of things that sneak up on me there that uh, are a little surprising is it says that God is our Savior. Usually we, we associate that role with, with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was a little bit striking to me. But then also there in verse 4 that it's God's desire that all people are saved uh, and coming to the knowledge of truth. But there's there's some confusion that can get wrapped into this because we also read where Paul talks about uh, not everyone is called, not everyone is predestined to salvation. But if God desires that everyone to be saved, why doesn't he just do it? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good question because God, well, I mean, if you look right there, it says, um, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God can't do it because they're refusing to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. Um, and God, uh, God didn't create for himself uh, little robots to do as he wills. He created for himself human beings um, who can make choices, um, ultimately because he loves us and desires that we love him in return. He knows love is a choice. Uh, for love to be true, you have to choose to love. Granted, it's there are things or people easier to love than others, but it's always a choice. Love is always a choice. And if you remove the option of choice from a human, um, you don't have uh, love. Um, you have programming. Um, and God is a loving God, so he won't lovingly uh, force us uh, to do anything. I had a professor who explained, just given this image, uh, you know, at the gates, the great gates of heaven, that on the front side, whoever will may come. And on the reverse of that gate, it when says... When you walk through the gate and look back up. Then it says, those who are des- predestined yes. by faith. Fu- thank you for that, because it's funny. I was actually trying to remember that during that exact illustration that my father-in-law told me that he heard from his father, who was Dr. Rasmussen, a Baptist pastor. Um, I remember during my ordination, I'm like, oh, man, I had this really good analogy I heard. And that was it. <laughs> so thank you for that, Marcus. Yeah, that yeah. was the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so point three was covering the big idea and the scopes uh, for the sermon this week. Uh, so if you haven't filled in those blanks, let's just kind of go over those. Our big idea for the message was to make prayer a priority. Uh, and and that that should just be a given in, in any point in your uh, of your daily life, that we need to be communicating with God. That is our primary focus, our, our way of communicating with God. Is, our is, modus operandi. There you go. MO. Yeah. Dave knows that. He's used that in a sermon before. That's right. He has. Um, so that's, uh, that's how we communicate with God. Uh, the scope of prayer. Pray all kinds of prayers for all kinds of people. 
What is the reason for prayer? The reason for prayer is we pray for all kinds of people because the gospel is for every kind of person. And then what is the attitude of our prayer? Pray from a posture of holy surrender. And, and that one can be hard. Jesus has a good example of the Pharisee who is like, thank you, God, for not making me like that man. Exactly. <laughs> and that, that is how I think you know, some people really view their relationship with God, that thanks for not making my life like that person. They're, they're just such a mess. Their sin is, wow, so much worse than mine. Yep. But you know, we have to not compare ourselves to our fellow man, but compare ourselves to Christ. And that holy surrender of all the things that we hold in our hearts that are that are sinful and wrong just just weigh us down. Yeah. And we need to give those things up. And the in that parable, Jesus saying the publican was just humbly coming before God and saying, "Please forgive me. I I am I am worthless. I I I am awful." And Jesus comes back and says, whose prayer honored God? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, that, that praying with a, with a holy surrender. Um, you know, the, the, the Pharisees, because, you know, that's in the context of where you know, Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer. Um, and you see uh, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, um, you know, using all these uh, extravagant flowery words to sound impressive. Um, you know, they're calling it, they call attention to themselves, their, their own accolades. Um, that's not, that's not what prayer is. Obviously they were doing that because they prayed in the public. Um, so, uh, they used those prayers, uh, as status, um, and as, uh, Hey, look at me. Uh, but, <laughs> We see that uh, prayer is anything but that. All right, question four. What are the four words for prayer that Paul uses? And trying to explain each of those, uh, he lists out supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. Uh, and you, you define each of those in the sermon. Could you help us? Yeah, quick quick definition of each of those. So supplication is just asking God for something urgent, right? It's 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 an ask. It's offering him a request for whatever need you have, whether it's a real need or a felt need. Then you have prayers, um, that typical word that we think of when we think of prayers. That's the sacredness of prayer. That's appealing to God based on his character, his works. It's talking to him as an act of worship. Then you have intercessions. Intercessions has to do... Um, with, with drawing near to God in confidence, you can intercede for others on behalf of others. So it's the whole idea of going before the presence of a king uh, and um, without shame, without fear, and confidently asking him um, for things on behalf of another person, interceding for others. So that's what, when we're praying for the salvation of uh, lost ones um, in the world, in our family, in our neighborhoods, in our uh, communities, in our churches, those are prayers of intercession. Then there's thanksgivings. Obviously, that one's self-explanatory, showing gratitude, um, uh, thanking God for his goodness, his grace, his salvation, and all his good things. So those are four words there uh, that he uses. Uh, but he uses those four words because a lot of them do have, there's there's a lot of overlap. Uh, but he uses those, again, not trying, not saying, uh, hey, pray this then, this prayer then, this kind of prayer then, or this kind of prayer for that person at this time. Um, he's just saying, like, hey, Open your eyes and see just how beautiful 
uh, and big prayer really is. Um, and what matters is that God desires that you come before him um, and um, present to him requests uh, for the salvation of others. Intercessions, that, that gets a lot of people with a Catholic background into some dangerous territory because a lot of times they pray to the saints to ask for certain things that they had different saints that that they felt were responsible for this type of thing or this type of work or this and so they would pray to the saints to ask them to ask god or to have a more direct uh, impact and you know whether that's a healthy thing or not i don't see it as a scriptural thing. Yes, yeah, so that's a good point. So, um, right. So the intercession part goes uh, plays a lot into that, um, and it's funny. I, I I love the way God works sometimes. So obviously Sunday, um, I preached this passage, First uh, Timothy two one through eight. Sunday night we're um, at a birthday party. I, I am not condoning alcohol in any way, shape, or form. Um, but what I will say is uh, when you're around people who have even have had one drink, <laughs> they open themselves up a lot more uh, and uh, find out what you do or know who you are, uh, especially if you're a Christian or if you're serving the church in any way. And then they just unload all their questions. Um, so it was a really it was a kind of a cool opportunity. Um, and one lady was saying uh, she's like, well, you know, I'm Catholic, um, but I don't but I don't believe I have to go to the church and, and, and go to the priest. Like I'm, when I, you know, just when I, when I say prayers, God hears me. And I was like, well, you know, that's, that's, that's a legitimate uh, point. Um, and took her right to the scripture. Uh, there were a couple of people there too. And we were just you know, chit chatting a little bit about that. And I took her right to the scripture that I preached that day. First Timothy two, uh, five and six, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. So um, I'm no, I'm not the one who stands as a mediator between uh, that woman and God. The priest isn't. Um, no, There is no person who's able to do that because there's no person who gave himself as a ransom for all other than Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus serves as a perfect mediator because he's fully God, so he could mediate um uh, uh, with God fully, and then he's fully human, so he could uh, mediate with us fully. So, uh, you know, just getting to uh, to share that and to tell her, well, you know, Jesus listens to your prayers. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't uh, have to go to anyone. We have to go to Jesus. Um, and uh, and it was it was just a cool conversation because it got her talking about from the God out there and, um, you know, this, the, the universe could hear, uh, and getting it down to like, no, let's, let's, let's focus on Christ. It's all about Christ. Um, so yes, you don't, there's no priest who could uh, mediate for you. Um, you have one great high priest and that's Jesus Christ. And there's no saints who could intercede or mediate for you other than the saints of your who are currently living and uh, are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, those are those are the saints <laughs> that Scripture talks about, and you want those living, breathing saints in the church to be uh, interceding for you and you for them. All right. Question five: Do you ever find it challenging to pray for your leaders and politicians? How do you think they compare for the political leaders of Paul's day? Uh, now. 
looking at some of our political leaders and those of the early church, I think there are certainly similarities. And while God allowed this pagan empire to come to power, he did it in order to spread the gospel. They built roads, they unified a language, and there was all these things that he helped to propel the gospel forward. But he was also moving them in a direction of destruction to allow the church to grow. I think the church in the United States might be heading down a similar path, uh, but it's all for God's glory. You know, we have every week a, a new chicken little uh, crying about the state of the church in America, but God's church is growing and flourishing in the global south and in the east, even under harsh regimes. Mm. And you, you mentioned some some very uh, colorful things about Nero. Uh, and me personally, I, I've always thought I'm not really going to worry about the state of my country uh, until I'm wrapped in linen and doused with oil and lit for a, a, a party favor. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about it yet. Yeah, that's I mean, that's OK. That's, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned about it either, especially when you compare to to other uh other states, other countries, other nations, other empires, you know, you look at Paul, again, commanding people, Timothy and, and the church to pray for all people, especially those in high positions. And that was Nero. Um, Nero was, Nero was insane. He was, he was crazy. Murderer. Um, yeah. M- murdered his younger brother, murdered his mom, murdered, uh, beheaded his first wife, uh, killed his second wife, married um, um, a, a man but wanted to assume the role of a bride. So he wore a wedding gown. And then another time he married an, another uh, young slave boy uh, who looked like one of his wives, had him castrated, put him in a gown and married him. He started – he was the one who blamed the Christians for burning Rome. Um, then he arrested a bunch of uh, believers – uh, executed them, crucified them, uh, tore them apart, um, and all that good stuff. And then, obviously, he was the one who ordered <laughs> Paul's uh, execution. So I think it's you know it's 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 not by mistake that, that Paul says, "Hey, pray pray for kings and leaders and all those in high authority." You know, knowing that the one that he's asking Timothy to pray for is actually going to be the one um, by whom uh, uh, whose hand he's going to die. Yeah. Um, so. Um, if if Paul and Timothy and the early church were able to pray for their ungodly leaders, for the politicians that they were suffering other, the authorities who were suppressing them, um, those who were standing for everything that uh, they stood against, uh, certainly we uh, can do the same. And when we can't in our own strength, we trust that Jesus is going to do it through us. Absolutely. All right, question six. Does verse four teach universal salvation, the the salvation of all people regardless of belief? Um, and we and talked a little bit about verse four a moment ago. Yeah, we touched on that. Um, you know, so it desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, um, so it doesn't teach universal universal salvation. Um, it teaches the universal scope of salvation, but not what would be called like universalism that, um, you know, God is going to save everybody regardless of um, what they believe, um, because you always see salvation tied to belief um, and faith in the New Testament. 
Well, and beyond that, universalism negates the truth that we have a just God. Yeah, that's right. The idea of universal salvation can help us feel better about our family members that we won't publicly speak about uh, our doubts of their eternal destination, but it cheapens grace, it overemphasizes mercy, and it makes a liar out of God who promises death for those who don't believe. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's good. All right, question seven. What is the significance of believers on earth having a mediator in Jesus Christ? Uh, and I think sometimes we we forget that he's a mediator, not an arbitrator. <laughs> the, the difference really is he is our go-between. This uh, he, Our conflict, because of our sin, he is our mediator between us and God. Uh, an arbitrator is uh, someone appointed to settle dis- a dispute. We are... We are the guilty. We have no room to speak. Um, and so we, Jesus is, is not uh, to defend the, our wrongdoings. He's, he's just covered them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Question eight. Who ought to be setting the example of prayer in our churches? Uh, and, and this sets up next week. Uh, and so I, I kind of want to come back to this one. Uh, but the, you, it's... There at the end, verse 8 talks about men being the ones that are the example to be leading us in prayer. Yeah, right. Verse 8, that's what Paul says. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Um, again, now he, now Paul is, is talking about um, what the what church should look like, what, what the assembled church should look like. Um, and men need to be leading the way. Uh, in prayer. Um, does that mean Paul is saying women can't pray? No, um, that is not what Paul is saying there. Um, in fact, one of the, one of the things I said on Sunday was uh, a man's place is on his face before God. Um, what uh, you'll hear this upcoming Sunday from first Timothy two verses nine through 15 uh, is about uh, a woman's place and where a woman's place is. Um, and um, it might not be the answer that you think. I've read the notes. So it's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So, uh, so you don't, you don't want to miss it. All right. And our final question, Paul's main point this week is that we should pray for everyone, believer and unbeliever alike. Uh, so in your, your group discussions, if we can reflect on who is it that God desires you to pray for today and how can the group specifically pray for that person? Yeah. So my encouragement is for those of you who are listening, who are part of one of the groups, um, write the name down and then write uh, the names down of those individuals who your group members share. Keep it confidential, but um, just commit. Every single day over the next week, over the next seven days, every single day, just spend five minutes uh, praying through that list of names, um, whether it's a, be- a believer on that list or an unbeliever. Um, but um, pray uh, together uh, for that list and then pray uh, individually for that list um, and just see how God moves you, see how God moves those people you're praying for. Absolutely. All right. Uh, So next week, Pastor Dave brings us the conclusion of chapter two from First Timothy. Uh, We encourage you to read ahead. 
read prayerfully, and uh, we await for the word from Pastor Dave on Sunday. Anything else? That is all I got, Marcus. Thank right. you for for uh, doing this, and uh, thanks for tuning in to whoever's uh, listening to me speak yet again. <laughs> you guys are crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, this is episode 31, so we've been doing this for a while now. So this, this has been really good. Nice. Wow, 31. 31. All right. all right. Well, we appreciate you joining us on our conversation today, and we hope that you have a blessed week.